Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Shiana's news channel. So my microphone's a little hot there. Sorry about that. All right. One of the R&B car company locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right. So a few things we have to get over. Actually, I just want to start with something that's kind of funny. Twitter pitching a fit about being censored in Uganda. That's interesting. Uh <laughs> After being uh, permanently banning the president and, and for the record, like 70,000 other people uh, on Twitter, they Twitter condemned the blocking of social media and messaging apps by Uganda during the African nation's election, prompting many Twitter users to point out the irony ahead of the Ugandan election. We're hearing reports that Internet service providers are being ordered to block social media and messaging apps. That was a tweet from the account of Twitter's global policy team. And again, the irony is just, it's so rich. Um, obviously, we've had, if you go back to 2012, I pointed out how Google and Facebook were tweaking, you know, some of their algorithms and things like that to turn out votes and, and things of that nature. And if you go and you listen to any of the Harvard professors who who study this, they will tell you the, the same thing. It, now, it's pretty crystal clear, you know, social media, uh, Google in particular, uh, with search results and things of that nature. They have, they have built tools that they can now steer you not just to vote, but they can steer you towards a certain side. And that should scare everybody. Now, right now, their side is left-wing. But as we've also pointed out, a lot of anti-war left-wing groups and individuals and a lot of feminists who would be considered strongly on the political left, but don't fall in line with some of the modern transgender ideals. They've all been censored too. And so they get thrown off of the platform, even though they haven't violated the terms of service in any way. And this becomes a big issue because of what, you know, you're dealing with, with antitrust and what you're dealing with the section 230. Um, you know, this type of stuff shouldn't be allowed under section 230. That's the issue. So anyway, you've got going back to 2012, I was, I was talking about that leading up to the, the Romney election and how, Facebook had basically said our experiment worked. Uh, we we were doing things. Facebook in particular was doing stuff on their their network without users knowing. So Facebook was manipulating user behavior with the election leading into 2012. This is all public now. They've admitted it. They've written white paper, and they did it as an experiment without anybody on Facebook being aware of it or knowing about it. And of course, you know, people were seeing, and this is a little strange, something's going, going on. And we covered it in 2012 after they came out and admitted that they had conducted that experiment. Well, since then, obviously Facebook, Google, and, and others have expanded upon those, those policies. Um, most of what they tell you is it's, it's get out the vote efforts. That's what we're trying to do. But we've also been able to see them steer content towards one side versus the other. Uh, we've seen them throttle Republican and Democratic candidates. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is a victim of Google. And, you know, when you start taking down entire campaign apparatuses without any reason because they didn't violate terms of service, you're clearly engaged in electioneering, which, again, depending on how it is conducted, can be a relatively minor offense or it could be a major offense, depending on how it's done. You know, in Tulsi Gabbard, she filed her lawsuit. She didn't win, uh, but she filed her lawsuit. And, of course, contention was, you know, after the debate, when she came out of nowhere in that white suit, remember? She came out of nowhere and a bunch of Democrats were like, wow, who is this lady? 
she's she's good. So people started getting a lot, you know, a lot of interest for Tulsi Gabbard. So they started Googling her and Google throttled her search results. She ended up getting that in the discovery phase and Facebook limited her ability to uh, advertise. So they were obviously putting out Facebook ads, which are huge in political campaigns. So she was trying to put out those political ads on Facebook and they weren't letting her. So they effectively neutered her campaign at the point where the campaign had the most attention that it had ever had. Uh, it didn't stop her from assassinating Kamala Harris's presidential hopes, but luckily Kamala Harris has a, well, for some of you, luckily she has a backdoor that she can uh, she can get the presidency with. And we'll see how that goes out. But um, you know, again, it was just one of the things that it really got going in 2012. That's when we first started to see it. And as it has progressed, we've started to notice. Remember, shadow banning used to be a conspiracy theory until we actually had Twitter employees admit, yeah, there's shadow banning. That is a very real thing. Um, Crowder has talked about quite a bit. He has talked about how he would run ads on Twitter and he would use Twitter's ad service. So you can create your own ads and then just upload them and they'll approve it and then run it. But they also have an ad service. So if you pay Twitter extra money for the ad service, they'll design your ad so it meets all of the guidelines that Twitter has. And then you give the final approval and Twitter then runs the ad. Well, they were taking his money, they were making the ads and it, as, a, as a way of being safe. It's like, I don't want to do something that would, you know, be under the impression would violate their guidelines. So I'm just gonna use their service, I'll pay the extra money. Twitter can make the ad that I want, however they see fit, and then there shouldn't be any complaints that my ad violated any policies, right? But they still weren't running the ads, but they were taking his money. And so he had to get his lawyers involved. And this has just progressed as we saw the shadow banning happen and, and all of this other stuff. And I've, I've told you, you know, my stories, I don't need to rehash those again today. But, but now you've got four years ago, You've got a mythological narrative that Russia, because of social media, manipulated everybody into voting for Trump. That's not what happened. There was like 10 people. They ran like $1,500 worth of ads. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't a campaign. We actually found out just a couple of years ago, China and Iran were far more active during that election and this one than Russia ever was. China and Iran were far more influential as far as, as, far as that was concerned. And to the point where two separate times, 200,000 accounts affiliated with Chinese government have been kicked off of the platforms. So we're talking about, you know, nearly half a million government accounts for the, for the Chinese government that were used to manipulate elections. And they don't just do that. You know, Russia did this to, to an extent. Uh, they organized protests, counter protests, you know, intentionally setting it up to where there would be conflict. Because again, this is how this all works. I've gone over this many times. On the premium podcast today, kind of went over the history of how the century-old market strategy of how to do this um, is in full force. And it's, I've been talking about it for a long, long time. And everything that I've told you would happen has happened. We're just continuing to march down this path, unfortunately. So you've had four years of everybody saying that social media has an unhealthy way of manipulating public discourse and politics. And as a result, there's a lot of people who are, you know, really rethinking the way that social media should be allowed to conduct certain things. And I've, I've said before, you know, terrestrial television and radio, we have regulations in what we can do for political advertising and what we can accept, what we can't accept. 
accept, how it can be changed, how it can't be changed, that sort of thing. There's very strong laws in place that prevent us from doing certain things. None of those exist for digital. So if there is a, a social media platform or something of that nature, they're not, they're the same requirements that radio and television would be. So they can take down certain ads, they deny certain ads, they can change certain ads, they can promote ads, they can shadow ban ads, they can do all of that stuff. We're not allowed to do any of it on the terrestrial side of things. And this is why I've, I've made the point. One of two things I think is to happen, and it doesn't look like Ajit Pai is going to take this up. I was hoping that he would uh, before left, but he's not going to take it up. I was hoping what would happen is that there would be a discussion of, all right, do we apply the same limits and restrictions and laws that we have on terrestrial media to digital media? Or do we allow the freedom that digital media has to pick and choose and to censor and that sort of thing? Do we then shift that over and allow the terrestrial publications to do that? So radio, television in particular. And that discussion hasn't happened yet, but it's something that needs to happen. Uh, there, there has to be that discussion. Digital is able to do things that are illegal on radio and television. And that ends up being a problem, including equal time stuff. So we start running into that with really, really popular podcasts. Um, Joe Rogan, love Joe Rogan, um, like Tulsi Gabbard, but Joe Rogan will bring Tulsi Gabbard on and he won't bring anybody else on. And I don't think that he necessarily wouldn't it's just that he'll promote Tulsi Gabbard over others. And, mm, that might be an issue, right? With federal candidates, you can't do that on radio and television. So it becomes very strange to kind of watch this all play out. So we've had this, this running rhetoric, not just from the public, not just from the political class, but also from the social media tech people themselves, that we have a real problem with the way that social media is used to manipulate elections. And Uganda, basically, they agree. And so Uganda's like, you know what? We agree, and we're not going to allow you to manipulate elections. So you're blocked until the election is over. Now, social media, they have installed policies to block candidates from campaigning on their platforms at a certain point in time. But they're really upset when a country does that to them. <laughs> While simultaneously banning and purging tons of people who fr frankly have not violated the terms of service. So there's a breach of contract issue and Twitter has lost breach of contract arguments with that stuff in the past. So it'd be interesting to see how this all plays out. But uh, Twitter acknowledged that earlier this week in close coordination with our peers, the social media giant suspended a number of accounts targeting the election in Uganda. So Twitter itself admits their platform is being used to target the election in Uganda. Just in case you didn't know, Social media networks are used to target the elections of every country on earth, period. And a lot of the people who target those countries and those elections are state actors. I'm sure the United States does it to other countries. We definitely did under the Obama administration because we used the, the social media apparatus to target uh, Netanyahu's administration when he was up for re-election. Um, but I assume that we do it a lot more than we're willing to admit. And obviously the Russians and the Chinese and others are doing that. You know, any country around Uganda that might be a rival is probably putting targeted ads on there and everything else. So Twitter even acknowledges that this was happening. It was a negative effect on the Ugandan election. It was interfering in the Ugandan election. And the Ugandan government just said, all right, fine. We're not going to let you around until this thing is over with. You can come back on as soon as the election is over. But right now you're blocked. And so Twitter, <laughs> Twitter is access to free information 
Access to information and freedom of expression, including the public conversation on Twitter, is never more important than during democratic processes, particularly elections. What? <laughs> this is the exact opposite of Twitter's policy in the United States. It is the exact opposite. Twitter doesn't believe in access to information and freedom of expression during an American election. They don't believe that. This is why they put content disclaimers on like 400 Trump campaign posts and zero Biden posts, including the post that Biden's team had to take down because they were being sued because it was a fake, it was a fake story that they were running in a political ad. And the courts forced them to take it down because it was a lie. Even that post on Twitter didn't get flagged for misinformation. We've talked about the Kelly Loeffler thing. Kelly Loeffler was accused by her opponent of campaigning with a member of the KKK. It never happened. It was a lie. Twitter never flagged the post. <laughs> it's, uh, it's bizarre. Uh, did you know that one of the editors for the New York Times, that she called for a violent incursion of the Capitol building a couple of years ago? You know that tweet is still up? She's still active on Twitter. That tweet is still up. She definitively called. It wasn't veiled. She said, we need to. We need to have some kind of a violent incursion of the Capitol building and take over. She said that. Now, she's an editor at the New York Times. Her account's still up. She was never censored for that. We pointed it out when it happened. She, it, that tweet is still up right now. But people who never called for violence, but things that they said could be interpreted by a crazy person to be a call for violence. They got they got taken down. It's just the most bizarre thing in the world. But again, this is Insoc. That's that's how it works. So now we've got Facebook banning another group. And this one is really perplexing. We're gonna get to this one here in just a second because this is not even politic related. We'll talk about that coming up on 953 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. Uh, what else do we have here? Okay. I'm trying to find something in particular, but based on what um, what was just said in the promo there for Michiana's Morning News, because there is a website for you to track all of the vaccine movement in the country. And CDC puts it out. So I'll look for it during the news break, and I'll try and, and let you know what it is. So um, obviously you can listen to Michiana's Morning News. They'll let you know what's happening in Indiana. If you're on the Michigan side of the border, um, then, you know, you might be interested in the other source. But you can track it every single day, let, let you know which doses went error and everything else. And then you can watch New York's doses constantly go up and down because New York keeps throwing away vaccines because they're not uh, finding people who qualify to get vaccinated under the archaic, stupid rules that Governor Cuomo has in place. Anyway, I digress. So Twitter who has been censoring a bunch of people on their platform, which they say is a platform and a publisher at the same time, which you can't be. Um, they are pitching a fit because they have been blocked in Uganda because there were accounts that were targeting the Ugandan election. And Twitter admits that this is real. So Uganda is basically like, well, we're not going to allow any social media then. If people are going to target our election, we're not going to allow social media until after the election. And Twitter is pitching an absolute fit. And it's hysterical to watch their hypocrisy here. But Facebook, Facebook has banned another clothing company on their website. Now, they've, they've banned a couple of patriotic companies here recently, but I can't find any reason. What, what, I, there's one theory that I have. So they've banned a, a, a clothing company called Patriotic Me. 
Patriotic M.E. The company uh, told business owner, Facebook told business owner Leanne Miller that her products violate its community standards. Now, Facebook, of course, if you've ever gotten this letter from Facebook, they never tell you how or why. They just say, no, nah, it's just a blanket statement. Ah, it violates our standards. Well, which standard? By the way, I think all companies do this. When PayPal targeted my company a few years back, they did the same thing. Is it, yeah, you know, your, your company violates our standards. I'm like, what are you talking about? What standards? <laughs> I've gone through everything. It's, I don't violate any of your standards. So anyway, so Facebook took her company down um, and she wants an explanation. She doesn't really understand why. Now, I went to patrioticme.com. That is their, their website. And I've looked at all of their products. And the only thing that I can think of, so they've got American flag apparel. They've got the word love with the American flag emblazoned in it. They've got a map of, of the United States with the American flag on it. There is a, a thin blue line flag shirt. And, and there's a Betsy Ross flag. That's what I think ended up happening. I think those those products on their website are the reason that they were taken out. I don't know that for sure because Facebook won't tell anybody why that happened, but all of their stuff is just pro-America stuff. They don't even engage in any memes or politics or anything. It's, it's all pro-America stuff. Made in America, USA, you know, that sort of, it, I mean, that's it. There's nothing else except they have a thin blue line flag shirt and they have a Betsy Ross flag. Those are the only things that I can think of. There's nothing else on there. And, and she is, I mean, the business is perplexed. They don't really understand what in the world is going on because they're claiming they didn't engage in that. Now, I don't follow this company. I don't know anything about their page or what they posted, but the products that they sell don't, don't, don't violate any of the terms of service of Facebook at all in any way. So why were they taken down? That becomes the question. And the only thing that I can think of is Facebook is trying to tell you that the thin blue line flag, which is a pro-police flag, and the Betsy Ross flag, which again is your history, that somehow that is offensive because there are quackadoodles out there who have told you that they're offensive. They're not. They're not inherently offensive. They don't inherently mean anything horrible or bad. They are actually both very positive symbols. But there are people out there who are intent on rewriting history and, and go out there and create things like the 1619 Project to rewrite actual history with fake sci-fi history. And they've told everybody that these things are offensive for some strange reason. That's the only thing that I can think of, of why this company would have been banned on Facebook. All they're trying to do is sell t-shirts and hats. That's it. They're not trying to do anything else. And it's not even politically charged stuff. There's no pro-Trump. There's no anti-Trump. There's none of it. I mean, absolutely none. It's just American flag apparel. That's all it is. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Some other things that I have to go over. By the way, we are broadcasting live at dlive.tv slash Casey the host. Please go over and follow me there. If you at all support free speech, follow me on DLive. And I've seen a lot of people, by the way, kind of follow me on YouTube. And I've told you before, I will still post occasionally to YouTube. 
I post uh, post a little bit. I'm going to start doing more on Rumble. But my platform for my live streaming, where you want to get video content from, is DLive, period. That's where you want to get it, okay? So go to dlive.tv slash Casey the Host. That is, that's my thing. If you want to go to my website, every single post on my website at theburningtruth.us has a link to my DLive, every single one of them. It's right there at the top of every single post. So you can do it that way too if that's easier for you, however you want to handle it. But... You know, YouTube kicked off President Trump again. They've suspended him for at least seven days, again, claiming that he incited violence, which, of course, he never did. Um, They also kicked off an entire radio station in the UK the other day. A whole radio station. They kicked them all off. It's like, what? So uh, it's, again, it is... I get that people are probably going to stay on YouTube and look, my kids are on YouTube all the time. YouTube's got a lot of great content for news and commentary. YouTube is not the website you should be on period. So I've already told you, I don't, don't jump to a new social media platform. Wait till the dust settles, forget about hopping around and all that stuff. Just don't worry about that stuff. Take a couple of weeks off of social media. If you can just let yourself detox a little. And then decide if you want to get back on. Now, I want to talk about Parler here for just a second, and then we'll we'll move on, I promise. But um, Dan Bongino, most of you know who Dan Bongino is. He is a part owner of Parler. And so he's been giving a lot of updates lately as to what is actually happening with Parler. So I've got some updates for everybody. One, uh, they think that they'll have Parler back up in a couple of days. All right, I don't know if that's going to happen, but they think they will. The plan that they had, they weren't going to go off off the uh, the internet at all. They knew that the Amazon thing was coming. They had a backup plan, and at the very last second, the company that had agreed to take their business and allow the site to be hosted there, at the very last second, backed out. And as a result of them backing out, Parler went off of the internet. That's what happened. So they they had a backup plan in place, and it didn't pan out. They were not hacked either. That's the, the latest from Parler. They said uh, these, we mentioned it yesterday, and you've seen a lot of stories about Parler got hacked, your information is compromised. Right? Okay, that doesn't appear to be the case. Everything that was publicly posted on Parler was gotten by those those groups including the blm group but those were all public posts all right so parlors told everybody we were not breached there was no security breach there's no compromised identities or anything like that that that's not a true story and for the for the moment i will accept their their explanation um so as we look at everything for me i think one of the the big issues uh, item 21 in their lawsuit against Amazon, because Parler is now suing Amazon for breach of contract. Item 21, BuzzFeed News published an article with the letter from Amazon's AWS services that they were going to take Parler off the internet. They were going to revoke access to those servers because Parler hosted their their, uh, website on Amazon servers, okay? So BuzzFeed published an article with that letter an hour before Amazon AWS services even delivered that letter to Parler. 
So again, Amazon's out there saying that they acted in good faith, but they didn't act in faith. They leaked the letter to the press at a minimum one hour before Parler even knew it was going to happen. Now, you assumed, because the article was published an hour before the letter showed up to Parler in an email. So you figure half hour to an hour to, to get the information um, and then to write the article and get it edited and published. Ballpark. So, I mean, they could very well have had that, you know, two hours before Parler even knew that they were going to lose their website. So this is a part of the lawsuit that Parler has against Amazon. So again, it's all coordinated. It all happened at the exact same time. Parler is convinced there's an antitrust thing here. Uh, Representative Nunes has talked about this several times too, that there should be an antitrust uh, racketeering investigation here. Uh, we've talked about the, the huge contracts that Facebook and Twitter have with Amazon, which Parler doesn't have. And they were all of a sudden losing members to Parler. Parler was growing. Parler was the number one app. Uh, next thing you know, Google and, and Apple take Parler out so it can't be the number one app anymore. And Twitter and Facebook, who have massive contracts with Amazon, push Amazon to take Parler off of the Internet. And Amazon leaks the information to the news media before they even notify the company that it's going to happen. So, I mean, by the time the article was published, Parler would have learned about being kicked off of Amazon servers from a news media article, not from Amazon directly. Huge problem with that. So they also think that there's some serious breaches of contract that happened as well, and, and they'll be uh, seeking restitution on that. Dan Bongino said yesterday they think that Parler will be back up in a couple of days. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just giving you an update on what they think. They seem pretty optimistic about it, and, and we'll continue to update you as that happens. All right. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So the CDC does have, because I, I know that Michiana's morning news tomorrow, they're offering you an update on the vaccine in Indiana. Uh, but the CDC and some other websites have taken, taken it up as well. Uh, they have a vaccine tracker. So you can actually kind of track where the vaccine is going, how many doses and that sort of thing. Now, the CDC, they, their tracker used to be better. They, they merged it with the total data tracker for COVID, and it's not as good as it was when it launched. So I think they've kind of farmed that out to third parties. So it was, when it launched, you could not only see the state, but you could see like where it was going, which counties. Um, you can't really see that on the CDC site anymore, but they probably have that with some of the third-party trackers that are out there. But if you are interested... If you go to the CDC's data tracker and click on the vaccinations tab, you can see every state and territory. They tell you the total number of vaccines that have been distributed, the total number of vaccines that have been administered, the distribution per 100,000 people, and the administered per 100,000 people. So, for example, uh, in Indiana, five, 500,079.000. 579,050 vaccines were distributed. 211,334 have been administered. Okay. In Michigan, they have gotten 772,150 vaccines. They have administered 291,519 of them. So that gives you kind of an idea of, of what's happening. And the per 100,000, if that, you know, for you data heads out there, that's going to be something you'll be interested in. Most people won't be. Uh, but you can look at that 
in order to get kind of an idea of like how many vaccines are coming in and out. Like I said, New York is interesting because New York keeps throwing vaccines away. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's bizarre. They're, they're throwing vaccines away. They're taking vaccines away from places that were going to have to destroy the vaccine. So they, they inoculated anybody that was available and they said, you can't do that. <laughs> so they lost all of their vaccines. It took them all. It's just, New York is such a disaster. He said only a brain dead moron thinks that New York has done a good job with uh, with this whole scenario. It, I just absolutely perplexing to watch people just lionize Cuomo and how disastrous he has been there. So if you want to, it's on the CDC's website. Just look for the CDC COVID tracker and click on vaccinations and you'll have it if you're interested in that data. More coming up 95.3 MNC.